right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Garage Talk. I appreciate you guys tuning in. All right, so today's guest is uh, Dr. Roger Schwelt. Uh, if you guys remember by, from our recent uh, our previous podcast, uh, I had Dr. Schwelt on before, and we talked about the coronavirus um, and where where we stood way back when. That was probably at this point almost a month ago. Um, but I wanted to bring Dr. Schwelt on again and discuss kind of where we stood now with everything that's going on in in the United States and actually around the world and and you know our our our, our local shutdowns and you know I, I can't I can't go sit down at a restaurant I can't go um, I, I I can't seem to go anywhere um, I've been sitting in the house I'm going stir crazy so uh, Dr. Swell thank you for coming on I know you are a um, uh, critical care specialist uh, at Beaver Medical. He's a pulmonologist. Uh, he has been interviewed by Forbes. And who was the one you were just telling me about? I'm so sorry. Oh, we were on uh, Newsmax. Newsmax. So, um, so a word to be taken uh, from Doctor Schwelt. If if you're paying attention and you're listening, uh, don't 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 go don't take it lightly. If he's got something to say, it's it's worth listening to. Um, I tell uh, Dr. Schwab, this is for you, not for my listeners, but they can hear too, I guess. If, if you say something, and I listen to MedCram all the time, and if you say something, I take it as, as absolute fact, uh, and, I, and I don't do that with many people. I, I do that with people I trust, people I know know what they're talking about, and you're one of them, and I really appreciate you for that. And I know you've, it recently with stuff that I've had going on with family stuff, you've really been there to help me, and I really want to say thank you, and I appreciate that. And I trust your word on it. And so for those people that are listening, if you're listening to anybody, listen to Dr. Schwelt and what we're about to talk about, because uh, we have some serious stuff going on in, in the world and in the United States right now. And we're, we're really about to get into it. So Dr. Schwelt, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. So I'd like to, I'd like to start with, with kind of, kind of where we are right now. So so today is Wednesday. Um, this will be posted Thursday, but today is Wednesday. What is, man, what is the date today? Why can't, why won't my phone? Today's the 25th. March 25th. So this will be posted on the 26th, on March 26th, Thursday. But this is Wednesday, March 25th. And as of today, and, and Dr. Sweld actually goes goes to, he refers to Worldometer quite a bit to, to pay attention to worldwide cases. And I want to start with the worldwide cases and the ramp up that's actually been occurring um, in the last, oh, what, two weeks, maybe, uh, maybe a week and a half um, in terms of, of positive cases. Uh, I want to start there. And then I actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to come to the United States and then eventually back to California and see kind of where we're at. With regards to that, so let's start. Let's start with the the worldwide cases. At this point, right now, as of as of you know five thirty on Wednesday, March twenty fifth, we have four hundred and sixty eight thousand five hundred seventy seven uh, cases. One hundred and thirteen thousand of those have, or almost one hundred fourteen thousand of those have re recovered. Um, there have been twenty one thousand one hundred and so, or almost twenty, almost twenty one two. Um, total deaths, that's worldwide. Um, now, in looking at Worldometer and, and paying attention kind of to, to the countries that are most affected, we're actually number three, aren't we? Yeah, so to, to put it in perspective, the, this was just a, a viral epidemic that was happening in China for a long time, and they had slowed it down. But what had happened was 
you can imagine it's like a, a fire in a neighborhood. Right. The house that started out was burning and then uh, there's little embers that get carried away and they start their own fires until, until basically the original fire is no longer the issue. It's all the other fires. So to give you a sense and perspective here, the total cases worldwide is four and a half or four, 468,000, 468,000 right. cases. And the total cases in China, whether you believe them or not, I know there's a lot of people that don't yeah, believe Yeah, for them. sure. Yeah. And, uh, that was, according to Worldometer, we're looking at just 81,000. So the bulk of the cases are clearly outside of China, and they're not growing much at all. But but outside of China is where it's it's really taken off. Well, and, as yeah, uh, as of today, China has no new cases, right? Yeah, and that's, that's interesting because if you dig down into that, you will get some uh, below the sea level type of reporting where. They really want to get back to work, and uh, the way they have it um, worked out over there in China is if there is another case, there's, uh, they're not able to open up factories. They're not able to do sorts of things, and so there's a lot of pressure politically from what gotcha. I'm reading and from what I'm understanding is that they really don't want to have any cases. And so you don't know whether or not things are, are unfortunately being put in the other direction for short term I understand, yeah. Yeah. So that could be uh, that could be an underreporting kind of on purpose for that ca- for that scenario. We just don't know. Yeah, there, there's an economic war going on around the world, and the big two players are, are China and, uh, and and the United States. It's kind of like you know a player in baseball that's kind of hiding his injury that because he wants to get out there right. and play. Right. No, I got you. And and to to bring that kind of kind of back around the top three are China China's number one with 87 total cases um, and my phone shut off and I'm trying to get back to it there we are um, Italy is second now Italy Italy in the last day um, or, or yeah in the last I guess I guess last day has had half the deaths that we've had or I'm sorry half the new cases forgive me not deaths half the new cases that we've had. Um, is, is yeah. that, is that due to the increase in ability to test and, and get more of a rapid result? It's hard to say, you know, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I think if you want to compare Italy to the United States at this point, you got to kind of look at, um, total cases per 1 million population. And if you do that, mm-hmm. if you look at that, uh, you'll see that they're, they're tenfold above us, almost tenfold. Um, if you look, uh, if you're looking at worldometer, you can look up toward the, uh, the right hand side of that table right, right. that's there and you'll see the total cases, total deaths per million population. They're at and, 1230. And we're see, at 199. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of their limitations to get new cases, you're right. That's always a potential limitation when you are having, you know, a lack of, of resources to test. Um, that can also affect the number of deaths too, because if people are dying, although it's pretty, it's going to be pretty hard to cover up somebody who all of a sudden comes in with, uh, you know, for instance, ARDS and no other reason, especially now in Italy. I mean, if someone comes with ARDS, you're assuming that that's COVID-19. Right. Well, I, you know, I have a family member in the hospital and I, I went to uh, Loma Linda the other night and, um, and you know, they, they do a quick screening on everybody. Um, and they're, they're not letting anybody in, but they still do a quick screening on everybody who walks up. And so they do a quick screening fever cough in the last, uh, I forget two or three days. Um, if you have, they will shuffle you off somewhere else. 
um, just to just to check you out. And no even, doubt. Even as a visitor, I was kind of blown away. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just here for a family member. I'm good. Don't leave me alone. You know, everybody calm down because they're, you know, they're fully gowned up, especially outside the ER. Nobody can go in the ER unless they're a patient. They get one family member um, and no one is allowed in the hospital. Um, and a number of the hospitals in, in at least California are set up that way right now. No one can get in. And right, they're just yeah, not letting virus, it happen. Yeah. Yeah, because the virus doesn't know if you're going to the hospital as a visitor or as a patient. It doesn't care. Right. And uh, that's why they're doing it. Well, and I've, I've wondered actually about that. So so I've heard um, – so I've I've read most of the things that I've read, and I'll ask you because, again, I said in the beginning, I trust your word. What you say, I will I will take that as absolute – I'll take it as fact. Um, not to put too much stress on you or pressure on you there. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, you should talk to my family. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, no, well, your family doesn't, maybe they don't know you like I know you. You know, I've, you've, been, you've, been, you've been a good <laughs> no. friend to me, and you've, you, you've, you've been a good mentor to everybody that I know, and including myself, and it's awesome. Um, but it, it's, um, I've heard some, I've heard mostly that it's aerosol droplet, but I've heard a couple reports that it is possibly airborne. Do we know for sure? Yeah, so this is the thing, is that there, it, it's not black and white, of course. It depends on, on what the patient's doing. So if you are undisturbed, if you've got the viral infection, you're undisturbed in terms of, uh, you know, coughing, sneezing, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. It's going to be droplet, even probably even in those situations. Right. You can imagine if you – I like to, to um, use the parallel of raking up leaves on your driveway. So, um, if, you know, are you, if somebody's really allergic to the, uh, to the leaves and you're just raking them up slowly, that's probably not going to be a problem. But if you're using one of those, you know, blowers right. and you're trying to blow the leaves together and that, that's going to cause some issues. And it's the same sort of thing. Um, the analogy here is, is, you know, if, if a patient's just sort of sitting there and then it's probably just droplet and that's probably good enough. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, if you're putting high flow, and you'll know all about this, high flow oxygen, uh, open BiPAP, or you're you're intubating and you're bagging them, well, well, now what you're doing is you're basically using that air blower on the leaves, and you're you're aerosolizing this stuff up into the air, and that's when you really need to be wearing PAPRs or N95 masks and things I of see. that nature. I see. And PAPRs are are like the things that you wear, and they've got positive pressure in there. Uh, so that the uh, the airborne stuff doesn't get into your face and you don't breathe it in. So we're not necessarily talking um, a, a true airborne virus. We're talking about something that can be aerosolized and be maintained using that that stability. Uh, uh, we won't even go into um, right. You know the stability that- factor that can be maintained in the air for a period of time. However, it's not necessarily truly airborne. Therefore, the N95 is appropriate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and that's based on the information that we now know. I got you. Okay. Uh, that could change, of course, down the line. But uh, it seems as though the real factor in infectivity of this virus is its ability to stay active and viable on surfaces. I think right. that's and the really harder the, the harder the surface, the longer it can stay active. Right? I was reading something uh, stainless steel; it can be four, six hours, something like that, on stainless steel. However, yeah, on on clothing, it's not very long at all. Well. I'm not sure about the clothing. I know that copper had the uh, the, the shortest life. So, <laughs> okay. And yeah. I I was just hearing something. I, I think it was probably news I was listening to, uh, maybe talk radio, and they were just saying 
the more the more porous the surface, the the less likely, the more solid the surface, the more likely it was to maintain its um, I don't know virulence is the right word, but I'll use it for lack of a better one. It's virulence right. in 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 reproducing there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a reasonable uh, assumption to make, and it, it may be backed up with data. I just haven't seen that data yet. Okay. And again, we go back to hand washing, and it's a shame that you know this day and age we have to we have to finally talk about hand washing. You know, I don't know. I don't have yeah, no, shit. It's, 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 it's kind of silly to me. Hey, wash your hands, everybody. Um, so in the United States, though, in the United States now, we haven't had uh, we, we haven't had quite nearly the deaths. But but you brought up an interesting point earlier, and that is that um, that is that the uh, the number of deaths is not necessarily doesn't equate necessarily to the percentage of deaths. And that's kind of where you were headed earlier. Right. Um, because, because we have quite a few more people than Italy does. Um, and therefore the number of deaths we have, or the number of total cases we have, uh, broken down on a percentage basis is decreased. Is that correct? Uh, the number of deaths that we have in the United States is, uh, is going up. Right. It is going up. It's 935 right now. But it's, it's less than that of, of, of uh, for instance, Italy, et cetera. Yes. But I mean, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of what? Uh, oh, man, I'm going to screw it up. 350, 375, maybe even more million people in the United States. How many does Italy have? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, is it more or less? It's got to be less than that. And so uh, in, in Italy, you know, their, their death rate to active case rate to population rate is, so is the reason so that their per million people is yeah. increased, right? Yeah, I looked it up. It's 60, uh, about 60 million people. Okay, so 60 million people. So that's the reason that they have a total cases per 1 million population of 1230 versus our 199. Um, right. Even though we're a very close third place to them, they're at 74,000, we're at 65,000, but because we have so many more people, our percentage changes, right? Correct. So along with that, then in California, California has gone crazy. Now I heard, okay, now I heard this from a friend who said he heard it somewhere. So I, I don't know. So I don't want to go create panic or anything. So everybody calm down. Um, but I heard that Mayor Garcetti in LA was talking about shutting down power and water to businesses to prohibit people from even trying to go out and do anything. Now, that doesn't quite make sense to me, but have you heard anything crazy like that? No, I haven't. That okay. would be DWP, right? That's yeah. not good because that's alarm systems. And that's, uh, I mean, you use water for fish tanks and right. all sorts of things to keep your business viable. Yeah, no, it didn't make sense to me, but it scared me because, and, and I'll be honest with you and I'll be honest with everybody out there. I, you know, I've been, I've been carrying my guns with me everywhere I go. You know, uh, I live in, I live in, in Canyon Lake. My girlfriend lives in Mission Viejo and I go back and forth and I, I've been taking my guns with me just because, you know, I'm more, I'm more than the coronavirus itself. I'm worried about the socioeconomic breakdown of society as a result of what's actually happening right now. And so that I look at that and I think, well, you know, it's time to protect me and mine. And, and, and then I heard that this morning and I, I've never, I haven't read that anywhere I just, somebody mentioned it, they said it to me, and I thought, wow, that would be insane. Because if LA does that, then next is Orange County, next is Riverside County, man, and that's where we are. Riverside and San Bernardino County, 
And that would, you know, especially after, after President Trump came on the radio or on the, on the news conference the other day and, and said, look, 14 days and we're going back to work, everybody. We, you know, we can't make the solution worse than the problem. Okay, so there's a there's a uh, article in L.A. magazine uh-huh. um, that was published about uh, six days ago, March 19th. And this is a line in that article. It says okay. um, uh, this is Garcetti. He says that we're asking Angelinos, if you see a bar that's open or a restaurant that's open to please let us know, inform the city. And it's complaint driven. He said, we will then be able to go and ensure that those are indeed shut down. And then the uh, author of the article says, if businesses are contacted but refuse to close, Garcetti said, the Department of Water and Power could be enlisted and the DWB ah. could literally shut, should literally turn off the utilities. Okay, so but that's where it that came from. A, yeah. And then it becomes a wicked game of telephone after that. And next thing you know, now that's what I'm hearing. And, right. um, and I guess that's a lesson to everybody. You know, that's where, the, that's where the panic is coming from and the hysteria is coming from, right? So... All right. Well, that's good to know that it's not a definite thing and that's not where we're headed because that would be that would be horrible, um, especially with the after you know, President Trump said that, look, after a couple of weeks, we're, we're going to start reopening things because we, we got to get these people back to work. We just have to practice, you know, the social distancing and the and the the, you know, the good hand washing. Well, and Well, you know, I have a thought about that. Yeah, um, I have a thought, Michael, about that. And then one of the things that is happening right now is there's a number of lab companies uh-huh. and, and I want to specify this too. This is really important to understand what these lab tests do. Currently we've been testing people to see whether or not they have the virus. And the way that we do that is with something called reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction. And I don't want your eyes to glaze over, but all that <laughs> means basically is, is we are looking for the, for the RNA of the virus. So if we see the RNA of the virus, that means you've got the virus in you and you can you not only do you have the virus, not only are you testing positive for the virus, but you're also um, possibly infective. So that's what these all these positive tests that you're hearing. But there's another kind of right. test. There's another kind of test that they're wanting to get FDA approved. And it's 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 going to happen. But I'm hoping it happens sooner rather than later. And that is not testing for the virus, but testing for the antibody that your body makes against the virus. Right. Essentially, when that happens, when we know that you've got the antibody against the virus, um, we know that that's a good thing, number one. They did a, an experiment about, oh, it was published last week, where they looked at monkeys and they, they had exposed them to the coronavirus and they had the symptoms, they checked them, yes, they had the virus in them. All of them got better from the virus and they were able to check them to make sure that their, the virus was negative and it was. And they were able to check their antibodies, and they were there. Okay. And then they then they tried to reinfect them with the virus. They couldn't do it. The antibodies prevented them from becoming reinfected with the virus. So the point is, is if we can get this test out there in massive numbers, mm-hmm. then we can then we can basically test people, see if they've got the antibody. If they've got the antibody, there's no reason for them to be quarantined. Gotcha. So I, that, that brings up actually a good question that I wanted to ask. Um, as you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, okay, how, I guess, how, how long and how, and, and when is somebody, uh, contagious with regards to that? And so you're kind of answering that in, in, in what you're saying. So the way to tell if someone's contagious is if they 
test for the virus positive. Now, there's one caveat to this, mm -hmm. and it depends on the test specificity and sensitivity. But really, um, a lot of these first type of tests where they're actually testing for the RNA to see whether or not you're positive, it's got it, the sensitivity of that test is not that great. It's about what I've seen in most of these tests is about 70%. Okay. Which means, you know, there's a chance that even if you test negative, you could still have the virus. And uh, that's where a lot of these, by the way, rumors have been coming around potentially that people are positive. They go to the hospital, then they turn negative, they're discharged home, then they come back in even sicker than they were and they retest them and they're positive, quote unquote, again. Mm -hmm. They may not have been tested positive, quote unquote. Again, they may have been negative in the first place. I mean, their, their negative may have been wrong in the first place. So, and why is that? There's a lot, and it could be well because the test itself, it, it, it's not sensitive enough. It may miss I that see. RNA, okay. and and it may just tell you it's negative when it's really not. So, so is it possible? So, so there's been a lot of stuff going around. And let me ask you this too. Is it possible for somebody, and, and I think I think I know the answer, and I think the answer is yes, but I wanted to ask you, I mean, you're the expert, you know, I just, I just work here. Um, is it possible for somebody to have the virus be asymptomatic and still be contagious, whereas somebody else has the virus, is symptomatic, and is obviously contagious? So... So not only is not only is your statement correct, but it seems as though based on a study that was done, that's how most of the people in China got the illness was from people who were who asymptomatic. Were well, either asymptomatic or they were so low symptoms, they were never tested. Gotcha. And because of that, that's they, they did some modeling. Uh, some uh, mathematicians did some modeling of the virus in China, and they came up with some some number of like 80 percent or so were the 80% of the people who actually came down with it and were tested positive got it from people who were asymptomatic or had low symptoms. So, so I've heard Dr. Drew and you know, Dr. Drew Pinsky. Uh, I mean, uh -huh. I, I think we all know who he is. Um, he has mentioned that, look, there could be hundreds of thousands of people who are infected, but don't know they're infected because they're not recognizing symptoms or they're not feeling symptoms. And so that's absolutely correct. Absolutely. So, so and then here and here's the other part. Here's here's mm -hmm. the silver lining on this. Here's I don't sorry to interrupt, but here's no, the silver ahead. lining on this. The more people that are infected with this, the closer and the faster you get to a threshold of 50 or 60 percent of the population having immunity to the virus. And when you get to that point, the, the virus has a really hard time spreading past that. That's when point. we start the decline, right? That's when you get, yeah, that's yeah. called herd immunity. It's basically the virus only has so many days in a human being before the, the, the immune system takes it out. And it's got only a few, maybe about a week or so, to jump into somebody else. And I got it only you. has maybe two or three opportunities to do that. Otherwise, it dies in that patient and, never, and doesn't reproduce and wants to try to reproduce. Well, if the three people that it gets a chance to jump into, the two or three people that it gets a chance to jump into already have antibodies against it, it's for not. It, gotcha. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't spread. But so that's, so, that's the reason yeah. that, not to interrupt you, but that's the reason that we're doing the social distancing and, and doing the uh, moving colleges to online and K through 12 online is to remove people from that circumstance. Is that correct? 
Correct. And if you can squash that uh, that curve down and, right. and slow down, then that means the people that do get sick will be able to go to a medical delivery system that's able to take care of them as opposed to everybody showing up at once like they did at Costco to get all the toilet paper. Right. Well, and that brings up the flattening the curve. And I wanted to bring that up a little bit if we can. Um, not not to jump around too much, but that, that kind of segues right into flattening the curve. I, I haven't heard a whole lot from the media about flattening the curve. Um, I've actually heard it from you first on MedCram, and it made perfect sense. I sent it to my son, I just out to people that I know, trying to explain, hey, you know, stop buying toilet paper, just relax. This is why we're doing it. And the, the reason for that is not to necessarily decrease the number of people that get infected, but decrease the rate at which people get infected, correct? Yes, that, that is true. Um, and, and a lot of that uh, is hoping, uh, let me put it this way, the, the tall curve is very bad. Right. Um, the, 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 the squished down curve is not good. It's just less bad. Uh, I think even no matter how much we squish this thing down, it's certainly going to save lives. There's no question about it. But right. Even the squish down curve is going to really kind of overwhelm our medical delivery system. But what, what you were saying in, in, in the MedCram, um, and I, I want to say it was update 38. It might have been 36. I'm pretty sure it was an even number there. It's 36 or 38, I think. Um, and what you were saying in there, which was, which was what hit home to me, is that you, know, you had the healthcare capacity line. And it was above that line is where mistakes get made. And so if we don't social distance, if we don't do what we're, what we're being asked to do right now, it's not, you know, it, it, we're not doing this to keep from getting infected. We're doing this to slow the rate at which we get infected and improve the quality of care that the patients that are infected critically get, correct? Yes, it's true. It's even, it's even more dire than that. It's, it's, it's having enough ventilators. It's having enough oh, yeah. nurses. It's all of those things. I mean, people talking about, hey, we need, you know, Governor Cuomo, the uh, the governor of New York. Uh-huh. They're saying uh, he's got about seven thousand ventilators. The experts are saying that at the peak of this, he's going to need thirty-seven thousand ventilators, and he's desperately trying to get ventilators shipped to him. Um, of course, the question that's obvious to me and and to you especially is, well, who's going to run them? Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So that's that's the, another question too. You, you know, I in Italy, they graduated a whole class of medical students to be doctors to take care of the, these patients in the hospital. Um, I could see something like that with respiratory therapy. I've, schools. I've actually we, it's been inquired. Um, so so we were asked about it. So um, for those of you who don't know, you should know by now if you listen to my podcast. But for those of you who don't, I'm a respiratory therapist. I run a respiratory uh a therapy program at a community college. Uh, Dr. Swald is actually our medical director. He's also a member of uh, MedCram, which is M-E-D-C-R-A-M.com. You can also find them on YouTube. You can find all these updates that we're actually referring to. Go check them out. They're absolutely amazing, and they're extremely informative, and they're not really long, which is really an important thing. They're really quick. They're short. They're sweet. They're to the point. But I've been contacted by uh, Department of Health and Human Services, um, and I've also been contacted by our accrediting agency, COARC, um, and I've been contacted by a number of local hospitals asking, what ventilators do we have that we can give up? What, what personal protective equipment, what PPE do we have that we can give up if the need arises? And so that's actually, wow. that's actually not a joke, and we were actually contacted by, oh man, I forget who it was now, it might have been Health and Human Services saying, asking us, when does your next 
graduating class graduate because we may we may need those people uh, licensed or not we may need them and yeah. uh, it was actually quite interesting it, 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 it's it's really it's 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 a, it's really tripping me out no and and I'm glad to hear that they're doing that because it tells me they understand yes. the seriousness of the situation um and and what needs to happen you know we've operated for so many years in this country with a medical system that was keen on being perfect right um you know is the FDA going to approve this drug? Well, yes, only if it passes phase one, two, and three with a randomized double placebo controlled trial. Right. Um, those days, you, you can't, those days are gone here for coronavirus yeah, and for, for COVID 19. Sure. Uh, we don't have any randomized placebo controlled trials for this drug. We are looking at drugs that work well in these situations. We're trying to get them tested. We have some good results with a couple of them. And uh, we are we're doing everything we can. And so the, the byword, the byphrase for this is that the good is not the enemy of the perfect. Um, you have to compare it to the option of having nothing. So is having two patients hooked up to one ventilator perfect? Absolutely not. It's it's good. And it's better than having one patient without a ventilator. Right. You're talking a means to an end. Yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. That, so, so you, and that, that so, kind of brings yeah. us to the hydroxychloroquine. And, and there's another drug that UCI is doing a t uh, studies on right now. But you mentioned to me hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine it was used for what? Malaria and things like that, right? It, it, yeah, wasn't, so, it, wasn't, so, it wasn't originally trialed for anything like this. No, so the first drug that came out was chloroquine, and um, it had some side effects. It was used uh, extensively for malaria. In fact, mm -hmm. so extensively that there's areas of the planet that are actually deemed as chloroquine-resistant malaria. Wow. And we've, we've got other um, medicines to take care of that. That's not an issue. Um, but the, uh, the, the new generation of that is hydroxychloroquine, less side effects, uh, known as Plaquenil, it's used in a lot of rheumatological conditions, lupus, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, okay. etc. Um, and, and here's the thing about it is that just like the toilet paper, you you say, hey, this may work for this disease, and and of course everybody wants it, and and now there's a shortage so it's of gone. it. Yeah. So uh, they're trying to make more of it. You know what I'm trying to what what I think is the solution one potential solution. Well, first of all, the other thing that you got to understand is that the solution to this problem is going to be all of the above. You know, when you get to that yeah. question on the test and you see that answer choice, all of the above, you you know that almost half the time that's the right answer. Well, it's the right answer here too. There's no one particular thing is going to save everybody on this. It's going to be all of the above. Do we need to be able to figure out how to ventilate two patients on one ventilator? Yeah, is that right. going to solve the problem? completely no. Yeah. no so every single thing that we're doing um respiratory therapy students getting them graduated early so that they're in in the medical center early and and taking care of patient is that going to solve the whole problem no is it part of the solution yes yes yeah right so what i've been looking at to see is is there anything that we can do because you know 80 percent of people who get the virus won't need to go to the hospital and that's because of your immune system your immune system right. is so intricately developed and and designed that it is it's amazing so is there any way that we can improve enhance augment or another way of putting it is avoid things that degrade our immune system and mm -hmm. do it in a way that doesn't require us to have to go to a store to buy something that can be run out to buy something that has to be made and delivered uh, by something and you know, there's a lot of things out there. I could just go down the list. Some of the things you won't like to hear, 
Um, but uh, but let's look at let's look at science. Number one, probably the one of the biggest effective things that you can do is getting appropriate sleep. I mean, I'm a sleep specialist, so it should come naturally to me. Uh, they've done a lot of studies out there that have looked at um, uh, out of Pittsburgh and right. out of France that you, have looked at. You mentioned this on one of the MedCram uh, yeah uh, things, and and I want to I, yeah I talk about it really quick for sure. Uh, because people don't readily think about that or watch that. And I watched that and I, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't get enough sleep. And I'll be honest, last night was the first night I've gotten a really good night's sleep in probably the last four, three or four days. Um, and it's really just because I've been stressed out in life and trying to figure out what's going on and pulled in so many directions. And um, But talk about it really quick because, this, guys, this is really important. So pay attention to what he's about to say. So they did a study in Pittsburgh, and they basically put rhinovirus in people's nose on purpose. I mean, you know, students will do anything mm-hmm. for money, right? Right. So, so, um, and they found that when they looked back at their sleep habits, that the only thing that panned out in terms of why people got the virus, why they didn't, was because of their sleep time. So those that, that got less than seven hours of sleep or poor and inefficient sleep were not 20% more likely to get a virus, not 50% more likely to get a virus three times more likely to get a virus mm. just based on sleep. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And what's um, the, what's the reason for that? I, I think oh, everybody needs to hear that again. I, I know it's on yeah. MedCram, but I want to post this and I want everybody to hear this again. Well, we don't exactly know the reason why, but we've got surrogate markers. So just like, you know, the, the U S armed forces have mm-hmm. different branches like the Marines and the air force and the, and the army, your immune system that is there to defend your soul from these pathogens, these invaders, there's natural killer cells, there's white blood cells, there's neutrophils, there's uh, B cells that make antibodies. Mm-hmm. They all have their role. Some of them have to learn because they have to see an antigen and make an antibody. Other of them are innate. They just do what they do. And we can, we can tell you for absolute certain that when you get better sleep, those natural killer cells, those immune cells that are there ready to take over and kill that coronavirus, they're there in more abundant numbers and they, uh, they work better. Do we know why that is? We, we don't. We have some we have some ideas how, how the brain, which is affected by sleep, no question, is connected to the immune system. And that may be through the pituitary gland. That may be through um, the adrenal gland, a number of other things. Uh, but there's, there's no question that the neuroendocrine system is connected in, in many ways with the immune system. Gotcha. So we don't know necessarily why it is, but we do know that it is. Absolutely. And I think the, 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 the biggest clue to that was this Pittsburgh study that was done mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago that just showed basically here, we're going we're gonna to subject you to a viral invader. Let's see who comes out of it has less symptoms. And the ones right. that slept more did better. Huh. With no, no other intervention? No other intervention. There was no wow. other confounding variable. They looked at age, gender, Immune weight, system, every, compromise, compromisation, things like that. Yep. Everything okay. they looked at, and this is what panned out. See that, so so there's another thing going back to the uh, the current COVID COVID nineteen. Um, I saw so I saw a pie chart. Um, I, I obviously it was on TV. I can't I can't even tell you what channel it was on, but I saw I saw a chart, and it was it was referring to um, that infectivity of the coronavirus uh, of the COVID nineteen, the novel coronavirus, um, in patients who had uh, one underlying condition, two underlying conditions, three or more underlying conditions, and then no underlying conditions. And 
And it's really interesting to me that it they didn't they didn't mention age. I've always thought to myself, age over sixty, over sixty five. You know, obviously you're immunocompromised a little bit, so you're you're in that that category. But they ignored that, and they were talking about and I can't remember the numbers, so I apologize if my percentages don't add up, everybody. But it was like uh, one underlying uh, condition. It was about twenty percent. Two underlying conditions. There was there was another thirty three or thirty five percent. And then the majority, 60% or so was, or, or uh, a, what, 40% or so was, um, was those patients who had three or more underlying conditions. And then those that had zero underlying conditions were, I want to say, less than 1%. And they, they ignored completely age in that factor. Um, and in, in, in the recent, yeah. in the last week, we've had somebody who was about 50 years old pass away, and I can't remember where. Um, I don't remember if it was here in California or just in the United States, but somebody who was 50 passed away and a, a teenager passed away as well. And I know the 50-year-old had an underlying condition. I can't remember what, but I can't remember if the teenager did. What are the, what's the validity of, of that kind of a statement tossed out by the media? Yeah, so the, the, the 17-year-old did have underlying heart conditions okay. based on the report that I saw. The, the thing is, is that these people that have underlying conditions, it's associated with age. And um, the CDC just put out an uh, M&M that's called a mortality and morbidity report mm-hmm. covering all of these things, uh, all of these metrics. And um, basically, it showed exactly what we would expect, and that is, is that – the, uh, the younger age groups are not experiencing hospitalization or uh, ventilation or mortality in the same number that the older populations are. And, that, and we know that as you get older, your immune system becomes more Weakened. depressed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it really does rely on, on the, the underlying conditions and, and the severity of those underlying conditions. So... Uh, and, so, but I don't want to I don't want to be fatalistic about it because I think that I, I don't think it's the underlying condition necessarily by itself in isolation that's doing it. I think if someone has an underlying condition but has a strong and good immune system, I think that's the key. Well, see, so I think system. about it. I think about it in terms of and this is really funny. I was talking to a friend today and it, I think about it in terms of uh, I think about it like this. So so I come in contact with. With and I'm 46, and I have a pretty good immune system. I'm in I'm in reasonable health. I, I come in contact with somebody who has the COVID-19, and they infect me. While I don't necessarily feel symptoms that are that drastic, or even symptoms at all from what we've discussed and found out, I could pass that to my girlfriend who also is in really good health and doesn't necessarily feel symptoms or or even mild symptoms at that rate. She passes it to her son. Uh, her son doesn't feel symptoms because he's a kid and he's he's feeling really good, and he goes and visits his grandparents who are in their 80s, and now they're his grandparents. And so because of this other person who I didn't realize, and then I didn't recognize it within myself, and then I passed it to her, she didn't recognize it, he didn't recognize it, he goes to see his grandparents, and now his grandparents are critically ill. Yeah, that's true. And that's that that runs through my head more and more as time goes on. Now, when we started this whole COVID-19 thing, I was not on board, and I have to own this. I have to own this for everybody. I've had to own it with all my friends and my family uh, because I've been a naysayer for the longest time saying, this is ridiculous, relax, it's no big deal, calm down, nobody, stop freaking out, why are we shutting the schools down, this is stupid. And now I'm starting to realize and understand 
Um, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm an educated man and I understand the, the spread, but I, the more and more I think about it, the more I'm starting to understand that, okay, you know, you, you just don't know. You, you just, you don't know. You may not know. You said 80% of cases are nothing. You know, well, eighty percent, eighty percent. Well, it might make you feel pretty bad, but you won't need hospitalization. Well, that's let's the key. let's stretch that out a little bit. Only about five percent are critical. Only about twenty percent um, really are feeling anything. Maybe thirty percent. The rest of them are infected and not necessarily even knowing they're infected. Right. So let's say fifty percent of the cases don't even know they got it. It's it's certainly uh, within the realm of possibility. I mean, um, yeah, I mean I'm age- just throwing out numbers. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tie you down to a number. I, I get sure, that, sure. you know. I'm just throwing out sure. numbers. I'm saying there's a there's a good part of the population that could be, you know, completely be infected, and contagious, and not even realize it because they're not feeling any symptoms. They haven't built any antibodies, but it's just not affecting them like it's affecting the rest of the world. And I mean, I know for myself that, you know, I've gone to I've gone to work with a fever. Uh, because you know what, I, I got to go to work. I'm going to take some Motrin, some Tylenol and I'm going to work, you know, yeah. uh, because I, I got to get my work done. I'll go home early, but I got to get in there and in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, I've done that and you know, now next time, obviously I won't do that, but I, I, I wouldn't have known that I wouldn't have understood that, you know, now at the same time, I'm not out panic buying and, and going crazy buying toilet paper. You know, if I'm in a store and they got some good meat, yeah, I'm buying some meat. I'm going to toss it in the freezer because who knows if we're going to wind up on a, a, a you know, state or even a countrywide shutdown where we're going to be forced to stay at home. I know, you know, Italy did that. I know uh, who else just did that. India. India has done that. Right. In, India has completely shut down. I have, I have friends who are in title and escrow and they work with uh, companies that are based out of India, uh, affiliate companies that are based out of India. India has shut down. And they won't let anything happen. And it, they just shut it down. And they're like, well, until we can figure out how to get people to work from home, too bad. Everybody's at home. And they're dealing with that in India. And they dealt with that just this last, in this last, uh, uh, what was today's Wednesday? So, uh, gosh, in the last week, maybe in the last couple of days, it was just an all of a sudden thing. So, I mean, are we headed that direction? No, there are these scares of Washington and California and Oregon and with uh, the martial law and, you know, military, you know, National Guard rolling in. I don't think that's going to happen, but we could certainly be headed that direction where, you know, there, there's a problem. And, yeah. and so th- what we're doing here is, you know, to try and avoid that problem. I'm speaking not to you. I'm speaking to the audience now. Sorry. I know you know all this stuff. Um, we're trying to avoid that problem. And the way that we avoid that problem is with the social distancing, which seems stupid in the beginning, but the more time that goes on, the more we're starting to understand and get on board with it. It's with, you know, moving schools that and classes that can be moved to online, moving them online for right now, because we're trying to do that. And it's the more we go through it, the more we're really starting to understand it. And the more fear that everybody feels, you know, I mean, and I, and I gotta be really honest. I think that, that, you know, the media was really, uh, they were fear-mongering at first. Um, but, and I don't know that they knew, but I think they were accidentally correct, you know? Yeah, possibly. So I, I just, I just don't know. I'm start you know, I start to get worried. I start to think about that kind of stuff. You know, I, 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 you know, I wonder, you know, and, and maybe, maybe this is a question for you, Dr. Swalt, how long, do you think this will last? I know that my college's and my son's school is shut down until the end of the semester. How long do you really think that this kind of stuff is going to go on? 
I think we are, I mean, based on all of the estimations and the modeling, we're, we're looking at probably July. Really? August. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so all and the, then, all the talk course, about, remember, remember though, remember that, uh, the farther we can push it out, the more successful we, we were at the isolation. Right. Right. So but so, so we're we talking, can let it go. we can let the whole place burn down real fast. <laughs> right. It's going to be a, it's going to be gonna a be horrible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But we're talking, I mean, all the, all the talk about the warmer weather decreasing the virulence of the virus is, is, is not going to really have a great effect. So that, I believe that that modeling does not include the, temperature. the fact that we're, exactly. Okay. Okay. So that doesn't include temperature change. So, and that's a matter of whether we have a mild summer or a really, a really hot summer. And so that would kind of change everything. And of course, that's going to be different from state to state and from country to country then. Yes. Okay. All right. So we may see worsening in the southern hemisphere, and they that may keep it going, and then it'll pop right back pop up. Pop back the end up of the next year. fall, yeah, because our summer's their winter. Yeah, that's a good point. Shoot, yeah, heck yeah, because uh, you know Britain, Netherlands, uh, Ghana, Australia, the, uh, every place is dealing with this. You know, I've I've talked with you know I uh, was a guest on a podcast from a guy. Uh, the host was in Ghana, and then uh, another guest that they had on was in the Netherlands from Great Britain. And we are all dealing with the same stuff, which yeah, is and, you know, really interesting. The fact that this thing lasts 17 days on surfaces, um, I don't, you know, unless you're in the Sahara Desert, I don't see right. uh, variation of 10 to 20 degrees to really affect that too much. But, you know, it could also be that, that the temperature outside the body is uh, not uh, affecting it, but it could be the fact that the... Um, the vitamin D elevation in hmm. in the summertime, you get more sun. Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin D is pretty important. So, all right. Well, what do you think? Uh, last final thoughts here. Um, outlook. Um, I mean, you said you, July, maybe August, but in terms of outlook, do you think that? Do you believe? And I, I think again, I know the answer, and I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, you know, I, I mean, that's what I believe. Do you think that the uh, lengths that we're going to are warranted? Number one and number two. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that we're going to wind up going to greater lengths? Well, I'm a, I'm a very practical person, and I think right now we just got to hold the government to their, the government's feet to the fire mm -hmm. to make sure that they're doing everything that they can at the hospitals and getting the medications that they believe are going to work and getting the PPE for our uh, people that are working in the hospitals. I think that's number one. Number two, we as individuals who are sitting at home in isolation, we we can't be just waiting for everyone else to do something. We have to be active as well. And the way we can be active is following the recommendations that we're given, making sure we're washing our hands, keeping our distance, but really investigating what it, what we can do to improve our immune system. I mean, you can't see your immune system. Right. You can't see the virus. But let me tell you, the effects and the consequences of that interaction is real. And so my advice to your listeners are to really figure out what is going to improve your immune system. And I can tell you right off the bat, just just here telling you uh, without getting a lot into the evidence, sleep is mm -hmm. important. Not smoking, really important. Not vaping, really important. Um, in fact, the vaping is hitting, going down into the lungs and it's, it's causing inflammation and breaking down of those barriers in the very same place where the virus likes to go in and attach wow, to, its, right. to receptors. So, um, 
let me let me hit on some other things that yes, uh, please. Yeah, uh, caffeine, well known to reduce the uh, immune system. Really? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, sugar, refine a lot of refined sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, if you you know drink uh, drink soda, sixteen uh, teaspoons of sugar, that's uh, known to shut down your immune system uh, by about sixty percent for about six hours. Um, not good if you are constantly battling and worried about COVID nineteen coming into your body. So. Uh-huh. Time to time to take stock, figure out what your immune system needs, what it wants. It needs sleep. It needs nutritious food. It needs a few supplemental vitamins. It needs fresh air. It needs uh, sunlight. It needs uh, a stress-free life, which is hard to do when you're dealing with COVID-19. Yeah, especially the, the way, last couple of weeks, yeah. The only way to really, and I'll say it this way, the only way to not have to not have a negative adverse effect of stress in your life. I mean, everybody's going to have stress, stressful things are going to happen to right. you. But how you deal with that stress is very, very important in keeping your immune system intact. Some people um, find a distraction. Other people find spiritual ways of, of dealing with that. And I think all of those things have been actually studied and, um, and are good. So I think the, your listeners really, if they, if the, they can, they're not just sitting ducks sitting at home waiting for a tidal wave to hit them. Right. They have to be active. They have to be engaged. And they got to start making some positive changes. And, um, you know, it, ironically, when you're in isolation and you can't go to work uh, and you don't have to beat the traffic, you got plenty of time to uh, to go to sleep. Right. And get out and go for a walk. Exactly. I mean, you can social distance and still go for a walk. You don't have to be cooped up in the house. You can go... You know, hop. I hopped on a beach cruiser the other day, and I went for a ride. I went for a run the other morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Get outside, even though it's not you know going to large crowds and dealing with what you would normally deal with and doing what you would normally do. Get outside right. and and you know don't be don't leave yourself cooped up in the house. Quarantine is not meant to be sitting in the house. It's meant to be staying away from other people. Right. Right. And then and then think about the numbers. If everybody does that and even if we could increase that 80 percent to 90 percent. Right. That would read that would cut in half the yeah. number of hospitalizations. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I hey, I appreciate you coming on and hang hang out just for a sec after we get done here. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and close up um, hang oh. out on the phone with me for a sec. If, you, if you're good. Absolutely. All right. Um, for those of you guys who've been listening, listen to the whole thing. I mean, this was worth listening to. Um, if you didn't listen, you are finding out right now that you should have, and you'll never find out because you didn't. That sucks for you. Dr. Swelt, thank you so much for coming on with me. I really appreciate the update. This is awesome. This will be posted tomorrow. Remember the numbers and everything that we discussed in the beginning. That's all as of Wednesday, March 25th. So obviously that's going to change on Thursday just a little bit, but this will be posted in the morning, so it won't be too far off. Um, if you guys have questions, comments for me, you can contact me at garagetalkpc at gmail.com. If you have questions or comments or you're interested in stuff with regards to Dr. Swelton, what he said, visit medcram.com, M-E-D-C-R-A-M.com, or you can look up Medcram on YouTube and follow the updates. They are down to earth. They are basic. I know we, we, we said a lot of stuff tonight. Well, I did anyway, and Dr. Swelton didn't. Um, I, I said a lot of stuff tonight that sounded kind of doom and gloom, but it wasn't to be doom and gloom. It was to, it's, it was to realize that, you know what, we, we got to take this serious and I haven't for so long and I am now, 
And, and the way I look at it is if, if I was a naysayer and I've been swayed by what I've seen and what I know and what I understand, uh, then it's, then it's time for everybody else to, to start getting on that same train and, and start taking actions, you know, um, get some rest, get some sleep, relax, love your family, you know, be with your family, stay away from the rest of the world, you know, get some exercise, get out, do what you got to do. But don't overdo it just because. I mean, I, I read a, I saw a, a video in Florida from Florida where, you know, these uh, spring break kids, these college kids went on spring break and they wanted to, uh, they were like, you know, COVID 19 is not going to keep me from spring break. And five of them tested positive for COVID 19. Don't do that kind of stuff. There will be a hundred spring breaks, there will be a hundred birthdays. There, you're going to be around for a while as long as you make sure you're around for a while. So, so heed his warning, pay attention to what Dr. Swelt said, and, and, and protect yourself and yours. So it's, with me, it's a me and mine. You know, I, I protect myself. I mentioned the guns earlier. That's about me and mine. That's me just making sure that I feel safe and everybody around me feels safe and people I love feel safe. Make sure you guys are safe. Make sure you guys are doing the right things. Make sure you guys are taking supplemental vitamins. Make sure you guys are eating healthy. Make sure you're cutting out those things that can weaken your immune system. Make sure you're getting some exercise, even in this shutdown, even if you're out of work. Um, and, and quite honestly, that kind of, you know, exercise can minimize stress. So if you're feeling stressed about something, get out, get active, do something. You know, if the, if the tennis courts are shut down, you know, don't play tennis. But you know what? Go run around them. You know, get, get that energy out. Get some of that stuff out. It will help reduce stress. And that's, that's a proven fact as well. Um, Dr. Swelt, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to tell him? No, stay positive. Think positively. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in and I uh, hope you uh, found this informative. Have a great week and be safe. We will talk to you guys next time. Mm -hmm.